The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Now this week we are chatting to Cork footballer Melissa Duggan ahead of the opening round of the Little Ladies National Football League this weekend. We're also looking back at Kilnamatra's defeat in the All-Ireland Intermediate Football Final last Sunday. So there's plenty to get into this week. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, Kieran, let's start with the big news this week, and that is the potential renaming of Park Equive as Super Value Park, Super Value Park Equive. We're not quite sure yet, but this news broke earlier in the week. I'm sure nearly everyone who's listening is aware of, of the news. So could you just give us the latest following um, the Cork County board meeting last night? Yeah, so the news broke on Monday night. It was the Irish Examiner, Tony Lean, with, with the scoop that uh, the naming rights for Park Equive are going to Super Value and that the ground was going to be renamed. The proposed name was the Super Value Park and dropping the Equive. And that's what actually caused all the furore and the, the backlash after. And so the, the row or saga or backlash, whatever you want to call it, rumbled on into into Tuesday and it was on on the news on the radio um live line it's like manna from heaven for live line to, <laughs> to get people to ring in to have a chat about it I think it was on prime time as well so there was a county board the first county board committee meeting of the year was on Tuesday night and it was behind closed doors because the media are not allowed any, anymore into um into county board meetings this um we learned of this on Friday so it's been a, a, a busy couple of days for the for the for the county board so they went to the delegates last night where they were given an update on proceedings on the, the renaming of Park Equive. And the update is that there is no update as such right now, that there is discussions going on with, between the county board and SuperValue regarding the renaming of, of um or the sponsorship or renaming of, of, of Park Equive. But as yet, there is no white smoke. So right now, the stadium is called Park Equive. We don't know what it will be called in two weeks down the line. Will it be called... Super Value Park will be called Super Value Park Equive. Will Super Value decide? No, it's not for us. Um, will someone else come in? Who knows? Um, but it's been a a very busy few days for Cork GA. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the GA Go controversy that kind of exploded last year, just in terms of the um the intensity, let's say, of the reaction. There's a lot of people um upset at this. Um, we had the tarnished uh, Michal Martin, um. Putting out a statement on X, he said he's deeply disappointed and annoyed at the proposal to change the name of Park Equive. Padraig Equive was a key figure in the formation of the GA at club and national level. Government allocated 30 million euro towards the development of the stadium and never sought naming rights. 
and I guess it's probably important for us to acknowledge that context as well, just in terms of the reason that the, that people are so um, protective over the name is um, based around Padraig Equeve's status, not only in Cork, but across the country and in GA history. Um, his grandson, Donal O'Queeve, um, saying that um, he was shocked, basically, at the news. They, they didn't hear about it. And he said that his grandfather embodied the empathy, hospitality and community spirit of the GA. So it's obviously um uh, an issue that no matter what the decision um the the core county board come to there will be uh, some people who are upset at it yeah it, it looks like the the cork um the, the, the powers that be dropped the ball in in sense of not contacting the the the, the family of um um the family of of uh, to discuss them or even even not to discuss sorry to let them know what mm -hmm. they are what their move was going to be, what they were deciding to do, and and the reason for it, because the, the reason for this, Dylan, it's it's so important because we can't forget that there's a thirty million debt hanging over Parky Queef. Um, this is a a legacy debt in one sense. It's going to be here for a long, long time for the next couple of decades, and obviously Cork GA wants to pay off this debt as quickly as they can, but not only pay off the debt, like there's so many the, the loans and the interest and all that. They need to keep on on top of that. And I was looking back at the uh, earlier today on the county convention um report by Kevin O'Donovan, um just in December, just gone. And in it, he said the Parky Queeve Stadium Company made a loss of three hundred and thirty one thousand before depreciation of two point eight four five million, capital grant credit of one point three four three million, and interest of zero point eight five five million. Um, he goes on to say crippling energy costs along with fixed charges such as rates present major obstacles. Current stadium debt levels, now resting at over 30 million, continues to present a major challenge. And that's exactly it. This is a huge challenge for Cork GA to clear this debt. And they've, in fairness to them now, they have spoken about the name and rights have, have been up for grabs for the last couple of years. That, that's been no secret. Kevin has spoken about it on this podcast before. So the fact that SuperValue are interested in the name and rights, that's that's good in a sense because that means that Cork can generate some um, some much needed revenue and finance through a deal like this. But the real sticking point is the naming of the stadium, dropping the equive, um, just calling it Super Value Park, which was um which was proposed earlier this week. Look around the the, the country, it's Kingspan Brefney Park, it's um FPD Simple Stadium. When the sponsor comes on board, usually they're their um, part of the pie, they'll come before the actual stadium name. I think if the county board came with Super Value Parky Quay from the start, maybe that would have um, satisfied more. Maybe it wouldn't have. But uh, a wise man once told me, Dylan, that you're better off putting your worst option up at the table first and going from there. Maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe they put up the the option that they knew would create a bit of a backlash. And then there's, there's a compromise of sort, and the compromise will be Super Value Parky Quay. Everybody feels like they're a winner. Everybody feels like they're happy. And the Cork GA get that revenue that they need. But then there's that other conversation. Are you really going to call it, if you're going to the game on, on Saturday, I'm heading near the Super Value Parky Cueve. Are you going to say, I'm going mm. to the park right, or the Parky Cueve? You know, like there's, there's, there's that element to it as well. Of course, there's been this huge backlash. And rightly so, we talked about the history, tradition and heritage of Cork GA and what they were dropping. But when it comes, put that away for a second, 
how many people will actually refer to the stadium by its full name? If I'm covering a game at Simple Stadium, and I'm sorry if I offend FBD here, I don't say to herself, I'm going to hop up there to FBD Simple Stadium. You know, so it's just kind of a bit, a bit of context on it as well is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's there's wider context as well and a wider discussion here to be had just around the amount of debt that that is there um, and the fact that um, they do need to be, I guess, a little bit creative in in finding ways to pay off that debt and that's kind of the black and white of it is that it is there and it does have to be paid off and um is it a case of we we saw last year there were no um concerts in in parky is is it is that the main thing that they need to be focusing on and getting as many concerts in there as possible and maybe more monster games as well because aside from that um like this naming naming rights deal uh, reported to be somewhere in the region of 250,000 to 300,000 a year it's not a huge chunk of that of that um of that debt so that there's a huge portion there that still needs to be paid off and um if they're not able to to bring other events into the stadium it looks like uh, they won't be able to pay it off in the long term and that's exactly it Dylan what 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 Cork GA needs is more concerts in Parky Cueve get Munster in there more. Munster will sell out. Munster and the Crusaders in a couple of weeks, that's a sellout. Bruce Springsteen is playing there in a few months' time, that's a sellout. And when you get those big events like that and those sellout crowds, that allows Cork GA to kind of take chunks out of the debt. So the more big events that Parky Creeve can attract, the better. And um, again, Kevin O'Donovan has spoken about it on, on this podcast. Sometimes when it, it's all well and good for, for fans to say, well, there should be more concerts held in Parky Cueve, but you're you're at the at the behest of the promoter. Let's say Taylor Swift, for example, that she's doing a, a, a huge European tour, and the dates are put out there. And if Cork J want to put her hands up for one of one of her Irish dates or European dates, that could clash with championship games here. So didn't they have a, a a decision to make? So it's not it's not as clear cut as saying we want Taylor Swift here, we want Bruce Springsteen, we want Gar Brooks. Um, if 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 that was the case, you would have more concerts in. In, in Parky Creeve, which are dead right, to get more non-GA um, events there. Munster seems like an obvious one. We've heard over the years about the the, the hope of getting Munster, Leinster and St. Stephen's Day into, into Parky Creeve. Like, that'd be some occasion. Even for Munster to hold, or even sorry, for Parky Creeve to hold a, a Munster Champions Cup game, or even for Parky Creeve to get to hold a, a Munster hurling final if Cork aren't involved. What Cork need is the big days, the big sellout crowds, because if we're being brutally honest here, um, let's say the bar the hurlers, the, the footballers, it's not going to sell out Parky Cueve, um, the with the the league coming up and the and and the, and the Munster Championship. We've seen the the Cork Kerry football numbers dwindle over the over the last couple of years from thirty five thousand or more a decade ago. We're talking 16, 17, 18, 19,000 now. So they're not the they're not the sell out sell out attractions that they once were so um in an ideal world yeah get more get more concerts and get more big events to parky cueve but that's why too the naming rights if it was for a three-year period um and you're talking 250,000 a year that's almost guaranteed income you know and that's mm. for for those years and that's very important for for cork GA to have that at the start and get everything on top of that kind of the concerts and all that that's bonus territory then so um it's um Cork Jail, really, it's the they're not in a position to say no to money mm. like this from a sponsor like Super Value. Like Cork GA needs every penny it can to pay off that debt. 
and they're kind of backed into the corner in 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 one sense. So um, yeah, it's just been a an, an interesting few days. And the thing it's not over yet. But Kevin O'Donovan did say that they hope to have this um finalised wrapped up before the start of the championships and the Munster championships kick in in early April. So you're talking the next eight to ten weeks. We should have some firm news in this, whether it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I'm sure they won't won't want it to to rumble on too long either. And even just thinking there about um like gigs in, in Cork, like they're competing with live at the Marquee, which is just next door, and they're also competing with Musgrave Park as well. So it is a tough task as well in in some senses to get to get gigs into Parky Cueve. But uh, time will tell. We'll we'll keep everyone updated on the latest there. Um, earlier today, Karen. The Six Nations squad was announced, Ireland's Six Nations squad. And the big news there is Jack Crowley is in, but he is the only West Cork representative in Andy Farrell's squad. Yeah, Jack Crowley has made Andy Farrell's 34-man squad for the Six Nations that kicks off on Friday, Friday week, actually, February February 2nd. Was that Friday? Two weeks. It's quite close anyway. It's early, early, early February. But I think there was this appointment that... Um, Gavin Coombs or John Hodder didn't force their, their way in and um, both have been in, in good form for Munster recently and they've been there or thereabouts and someone feel that they should be given their chance but it just Andy Farrell has decided to to, to look elsewhere and um, I was actually speaking to Gavin Coombs for an interview for the Star I was speaking to him on Tuesday um, which was before the squad announcement was made and even by then, um, Gavin didn't know whether he was in or out of the squad. So that interview with Gavin will be in next week's Southern Star. But we do talk about his desire to get to, to get back in with the Ireland team to show what he can do. If we remember, Gavin Coons was in with the Ireland training squad before the World Cup last summer, but he was he was cut from it before the team flew out to, to France. So he's very eager to to prove people wrong and to show that he's good enough to play for Ireland. But he's going to have to wait for his chance because he wasn't picked for the Six Nations. And, and the same goes for, for John Hodnett. He's going to have to wait as well and hope that he's, if he puts a consistent run of form together with Munster like he has, that it that it'll be enough at some stage for Andy Farrell to look in his direction. But then on the, on the, on the upside, Jack Crowley is there. And um, this has the potential to be a huge Six Nations for Jack Crowley. We all know Johnny Sexton has exited stage left, so that number 10 jersey is up for grabs. And Jack Crowley, the Bendon rugby club man, the Bendon grammar school, the former student, he is in the driving seat. So we should see him get a prolonged run in the, at, at, at out half in the Six Nations. And it's a huge chance for him to stake his claim and say, this is my time now. Sexton's era, as brilliant as it, as it was, is now over. This jersey is up for grabs and this is Crowley's chance to grab it. So... It's, it's really exciting from a, from a West Cork point of view to see how Crowley is going to perform over the, the next couple of weeks in the Six Nations. And there'll be huge interest down here, like there always is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Kieran, I might be reading too much into, into something small here, but the graphic that the Irish rugby team posted with um the list of the squad had Peter O'Mahony, the new captain, had uh, Gary Ringrose, who I think is vice captain, or at least in the captaincy, um, in the leadership group, as they call it, right next to the two of them was Jack Crowley. So like it's it's like I say, I might be reading too much into it, but that that's a, a significant position for him to be in alongside those two um leaders, let's say. Well spotted Dylan, your eagle eye, nothing gets past you. But yeah, no. in the in the, in the graphic for the Six Nations, yeah, Jack was one of the, the three players used um, behind the new Ireland captain Peter O'Mahony. But like I was saying, it's it, the stage is set now for Jack. Um 
to be given his chance to prove that he's good enough to be Ireland's number 10. And it's it's a big opportunity for Jack Crowley because that jersey was owned by Johnny Sexton for the last what, decade, you know, and then you'd obviously won her Garber before that. So there's a huge opportunity here for the Inishanan man to, to make that position his own. But he, he knows too that there's competition behind him as well, so he's going to have to perform. But if you look at Munster win, Munster's win a, a win away to Toulon last weekend, Jack got men in the match in that. He um he was a three conversions, a penalty, but he just kind of, he ran the show as well. He was he was really impressive. So his form is good heading into the Six Nations. So fingers crossed it all goes well. And the, the era of Jack Crowley is about to start. Yeah, maybe he'll be uh in the middle of those three in the future as the as the main man in that graphic. That's that's what he should be aiming for anyway. Um, just a quick word as well on um, Gavin Coombs and John Hodnett. Do you reckon if it's a 34-man squad, are they somewhere from 35 to 40 or do they have a little bit more to do to get into the squad? They can't be too far outside it. They really yeah. can't. You know, the, the calls for both of their inclusions have been quite loud in, in, in the last while. And they both played quite well against Toulon. Um, even go back to the previous season, like uh, John Hodnett's a tackle machine. like and he, He's come on again this year like he's a he'd be, he, you'd love to see John Hodnett get his chance with Ireland just be brought into that that environment and to see how, how he gets on because um an, an incredible player and the same same with Gavin Coombs like Gavin has been a, a try machine for Munster these these last couple of years um, he's he, well he did feel that the fact he's fit this season he's fit available for all the games that, that that's really standing to him and he's pretty happy with, with his own form um, but it just hasn't been enough for for Andy Farrell to, to to call either man in, so they're not too far off it. They're not too far off it. So um, they'll both be waiting for that call off Andy Farrell at at some stage. And all, all they can do is keep performing with Munster. That's all they can do to put their hand up. Put in, keep putting in those good performances. Keep training well. We know it's a cliche. Keep going day to day, week to week. And if and if they're good enough, which we think they are, they'll eventually get their chance. But it's about being patient now. And I know that's that's frustrating, especially for someone like Gavin. Because uh, when you think back to, to last summer when he was in, for some people he was like he was definitely an outlier kind of to get into that, that World Cup squad that he had a real chance. He didn't even get an opportunity in a warm up game, which we all kind of found surprising. And then he he was cut from the from from the training panel, um, and he's been there thereabouts for a couple of years. He's he's two caps to two caps to his his name already, and he'd love to he'd love really love to kind of to add to those, but he just has to keep the head down keep working on, on what he's working on. And I know he did get advice from the Ireland coaches when he was um, dropping the panel last time. So he's working to his plan so that the hope is that he will get his chance. Yeah, fingers crossed. And who, who knows as well, like all it takes is an injury or two or a bit of luck and um, suddenly a space could open up. So um, time will tell there. And we're going to move on and chat about this weekend's uh, Division One League match. Cork are playing Galway on Sunday in Mallow. That game's at 2pm. Kieran, you've been chatting to Melissa Duggan ahead of this game and she's raring to go as always. Yeah, Melissa's great. She's she's so enthusiastic and uh, she's always an infectious character when you when, when you when you chat to her. You can't you can't help but smile and laugh in her company. Like she's one of those uh one of those really good characters to be around. And I was just asking her about the preseason because Usually for players like this is the the grunt work. It's just kind of that heavy slog trying to trying to get the body back up to to, to pace again and kind of get that platform platform in there for for the season ahead. And Melissa said, "Yeah, love it. Love preseason. I love the cold. I love the hard running. I love the hard gym." She goes, "She just loves it all." Um, 
So her enthusiasm knows no bounds. So yeah, the Cork Ladies Footballers, they kick off their league campaign at home to Galway in Mallow on Sunday, 2, two o'clock. And it's going to be a much-changed Cork football team this year. On Monday on the Southern Star website, we broke the news that a, a good few of the experienced Cork footballers are stepping away um, this season, some for the entire season, some indefinitely, and others just for the league. So... Some of the headlines, Darren O'Sullivan, um, five-time All-Ireland winner, has stepped back from the Cork panel this year due to injury. All his injuries she's had over the years, three meniscus injuries, they've all taken her toll. Her older sister, Kira O'Sullivan, an eight-time All-Ireland winner and a five-time All-Star. Like she's football royalty, Kira. Mm. Um, she's taken a break for the league. Then you have the likes of Roisin Feeling. Roisin Feeling is, is taking a break for the league as well. And you have other players then, like Breed O'Sullivan, has stepped back from the the panel, Maeve O'Sullivan is um is in Canada at the moment. Um, Imermini, I think, as well as another one. So there's there's six players there, um, and all six played for Cork in last year's Ireland semi final. Five of them started, so that's one third of the starting team. A huge amount of class, a huge amount of experience will not be there for the league. So, um, for that's kind of that's can we use the term transition now that this Cork team is in transition? What it does, Dylan, it presents a, a chance for other players to put their hand up and say, give me a chance and stake their claim for a jersey. Yeah, and I'd say as well, like, it's Melissa's eighth season on the senior senior panel, so I guess it kind of um, emphasises her importance to the team, the fact that, that other people with the same, similar amount of experience as her are stepping away, whether it be, like you say, just for, for the league or indefinitely. Um, it kind of increases her importance to the team, doesn't it? 100%. Like you said, her, her eighth season, she was brought in in 2017, caught the eye with the West Cork Ladies football team back in the back around 2016, 2017. And then she got her chance with Cork and she took it like she won an All-Star Award. I think it was 2019 she won her, her All-Star Award. And she's been one of the best defenders in the business for the for the last couple of years. And she's 27 now, so she's coming towards her prime. You know, kind of um, a Cork team with Melissa Duggan is a well, a Cork defence with Melissa Duggan is a it's a much better proposition for for Cork fans. She's um by her own admission she's a she wouldn't be one of the more vocal players on the team. Um, she she kind of she leads by example. Like for her, she gave me the example of she feels if she had a big turnover in in them in, um, in defence to her that's the same as kind of been vocalising to a player next to you like so she's very much a leader by example but she's a she's a terrific player and considering the the wealth of experience and class and um, that Cork have, have lost now for the league players like Melissa will, will be crucial because Shane Renee the manager is saying first and foremost what what Cork want is just to guarantee their division one status and, and that's fair enough especially when you see again like I said the players who've exited stage left but then again Cork have four of the first five games at home so is there an opportunity here for Cork to put a few wins on the board and kind of push themselves up the table, you know, get safety, get that done and dusted nice and early and maybe push towards that league final. But again, that could be asking too much of the team um, this year. But yeah, players like Melissa will be crucial. Yeah, we'll hear from Melissa now in a second. But just before we do, I wanted to ask you, um, you opened your chat with her about uh, talking about um, a recent Red Sea poll, which um, I guess the headline there, so it showed that nearly 60% of Irish people have never attended a female sports event, uh, a live female sports event. Um, it's a, a high number or a surprisingly high number, do you think? 
I think so. Yeah, kind of that's six and ten of Irish people have never gone to an Irish um, an Irish women's sporting event, which which is surprising given the growth that Irish women's sport has enjoyed over the over the last couple of years. It's certainly come a long way in a short space of time. But I think what these what these figures show from this poll is that there's still quite a journey to go because when you think about Irish women's sport, it's not alone. The football and the camogie. Look at the Irish women's soccer team that went to, went to the World Cup and the the interest that they um, that they generated and kind of playing in the Aviva Stadium at the end of last year. Um, huge crowd there. So there's like they have a following now. But I think the the key um is just to get more fans going to games. You know, yeah. I've been to a good few um ladies football league games over the years, and uh, whether it's it's Mellow or or Parky Ring or forever, to be honest, the crowds are small. The crowds are small, you know, and what you want is you want to get fair enough fans for now for the big days, the league finals, the Ireland finals, the big games, but just just to get fans going to to ev the normal league matches. Like I said earlier, four of Cork's first five games are at home, you know, kind of. And what you'd love to see is more Cork fans decide to just on, on a Saturday or Sunday. Do you know what I'm going to go to watch um, Cork against Galway in Mallow on, on Sunday? And um, that's that's what what we'd love to see happen. It's going to take time. That that's that that's the reality of, of the fact. You know, kind of. I think it's very good that the the the, the ladies football and and little they conducted a poll like this because when the kind of when the, the figures kind of shock and startle you, they, they should resonate in people's mind more. And it might just put into people's mind, okay, why don't I go along and 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 take my son or daughter to watch the, the Cork ladies playing because you're getting to watch the likes of. The Melissa Duggins in action, like one of the the finest footballers West Cork has produced in in a long, long time, and um, yeah, it's just um, like Melissa herself says, she was she was shocked at the figures. Yeah, absolutely, and I think if you look across um the water at the example of the England and English Women's Football League, um, they're regularly now getting games in in the Emirates, like Arsenal are selling out home games in the Emirates. I think Tottenham. I think Spurs have sold out um a home game as well. So it is something that takes time, but it it, it is something that the I think the appetite is there for. So it's just about getting as much uh, as many eyes and, and ears on um women's sport as possible. So let's hear from Melissa now. Delighted now to be joined on the podcast by Cork footballer Melissa Duggan. The Rebels are kicking off their league campaign this weekend. But before we talk football, Melissa, I just want to chat about the recent Red Sea poll um, that was released um, just to coincide with the, the launch of the Littles National League. And I suppose it kind of caught a lot of people, people by surprise, some of the figures that came out. And I'm going to hit you with probably the, the headline one. 59% of those polled never attended a live women's sport event um, in, in their lives. Like... When I said that first, I, I was I was shocked. But what was your reaction to seeing some of those stats and figures? Yeah, um, I suppose I was shocked as well. Um, I didn't think it'd be so high. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it'd be a lot um than more people had attended women's sport, especially in recent years. Um, you know, the likes of the soccer team going to the World Cup and you know the ladies' game getting uh, higher attendances at the finals and at league finals. So um, I was shocked when I heard that fifty nine percent um of the population hadn't actually gone to see a women's sport um in competition. And I think um you know like women's sport has grown over the number of years, but I suppose it still shows that as much as it's grown um there's still a huge 
um, I suppose, uh, opportunity there to enhance the sport more and to get more people to go and attend the games. Um, you know, you're not just talking about big competitions or big finals. It's, I suppose, attending the smaller games, like we're starting the league and, you know, we've never had huge numbers at the league. It might be only towards the end of the uh, competition when it's a final or something like that. So I suppose um, that's maybe one area that could be identified as something to look into that uh, we could get inc increased uh, spectators during the league, for sure. How, how, how could we do that? Like you said, um, like the, it's definitely improved over the last couple of years. Like the media coverage of women's sports has definitely improved. Even the kind of the interest in women's sports have improved. But like some of the some of the stats, right? I'm gonna gonna read out another one here that um, fifty nine percent of people polled said they prefer to watch a men's event on TV rather than attend a live female and um, women's sporting event again. So that's a that's another stat that kind of highlights. Okay, we've travelled a certain distance, but we still have a have a good bit to go so what do you think can be done just to entice encourage um people to almost get off their arses and go watch these games yeah i suppose the more um tv coverage definitely that the women's sport will have will allow people at home who are sitting at home watching these games um to see the actual high level of like football that's being played and like we're putting in the work at training and the work in the matches and going to the gym. And I suppose that wasn't there a few years ago. So maybe that level of football wasn't as good as the standard in men's. But I think nowadays we've been training at such a high level and most county teams are training at a high level and they're all equally the same, that the standard is very high. Um, So I think the better chance we have of more people attending the games is definitely getting more TV coverage um, so that people who are just at home and only watching games at home can actually see that there's a standard of football that is actually enjoyable and good to watch. And I suppose that comes from the players and the management as well, from training and everything like that. You know, the better we get um, and the better every county gets, and the better standard will be shown on TV and everything like that. And hopefully more people might attend the games then. I see Carla Rowe from Dublin. She was talking about that she'd love to see Croke Park full for a, for a, a women's All-Ireland final in the years ahead. I think the, the record was 2019, 56,114 fans watched the All-Ireland final that year. I think that was Dublin and Galway, if, if I'm right. Would that, would that be the hope? It uh, be fantastic to see Croke Park full for a, an All-Ireland women's final. Oh yeah, like it'd be unreal, like to have eighty thousand or some uh, whatever Coke Park fills, um, to have all that full of you know people watching the game, neutral people, like it'd be amazing. But I think the sport has a lot of way to go from there, um, and you know, hopefully, like even when I first joined the panel, um, I can see a huge increase in I suppose people that are interested in watching the games and people who actually come out and. Um, neutral people coming out that mightn't have anybody playing or anything like that and that's what you need and you need not just family members um, coming to watch the games like we have so many often have but we need the neutral people just to come out and um, to support um, whatever team might be playing that day in the local area um, and I suppose you know the coverage we've had um, through the papers and through yourself and through like all the um, media outlets has improved um, significantly and has definitely helped um, spread the word. Um, 
but I suppose we just need the people to come out now and to support him more by watching the games and coming out and attending the games. And they have a great opportunity on Sunday, kicking off the league campaign in Mallow at home to Galway. But before we talk about football, I chat about the off season. In the winter of 2022, you spent three months traveling Asia with your sisters, and you had the time of your life. So, fill me in on your adventures. The winter just gone. Had you did you head off somewhere exotic, Melissa, or where were you? Um, I I didn't head off anywhere too exotic. Um, I went to America for the first time. So um, I hadn't ever been to America. So I went to New York and New Orleans and Miami. So it was nice to have a bit of downtime definitely during the off season. And it's great uh, the way the year goes that you are able to get a bit of downtime uh, before uh, wanting starts again, like the Cork Leagues football. So um, I suppose we started back then in December. So it was nice definitely to get a break um, in between club championship and the preseason. And actually, how important is that just to get that clean break for small? But like we said, Asia, the winter before last, you spent a few weeks in America, the, the winter just gone. But almost to, just to, to get away to a different country, just a different environment to kind of reset and refocus. Like it's probably good for the body and the mind. It definitely is, because I feel like when you're at home, you're, you know, you've even though you're not training or anything like that and you're you're not in competition, you always feel a bit you know, guilty that you should be going to the gym or do a run or something like that. So it's nice just to get away and get out of the country and just, um, I suppose, lose focus. You know, you're every weekend you're talking about some match, whether it's related to you or not, you know. Um, so it's just not nice just to switch off and um, go somewhere different and see different things. And, you know, there's great opportunities um, out there now to have a different experience and everything like that. So it's great. And even this Christmas, we were given it, uh, we had time off during pre-season. And like, it's just fantastic to meet up with friends and, you know, like to look back at the year that has gone and with meet up with the club girls and everything like that. So it was just great to get a, um, a few weeks off uh, for sure. Which American city did, did you enjoy the most? Um, I love New Orleans. It was so cool. Yeah, I love the jazz and everything over there. It was really good. And the food and everything was lovely over there. Oh, class. And like you said, it, it's back into the ticketing zone with, with the league um, the league throwing in this weekend. But about pre-season, would you be a player that loves pre-season or dreads pre-season? Or what, what, what's your attitude towards it? <laughs> uh, I love pre-season. Yeah, I love it. Um, I just love all the hard trainings and like the hard work that put in um because I just know like you'll see the rewards come like maybe towards the middle of the league or at the end of the league like you know and during the summer um but yeah I love like going out training the cold nights like everybody knows me for wrapping up like I'd be covered from top to toe like I'd have my hat I'd have about three layers on and like leggings the whole shebang so like I just love going out in the cold and um uh, just doing those hard ones and you know everybody's on the same page like everybody has to get through it and we all get through it together and I think that's why I like most of it like everybody has such a good attitude and they encourage each other on and um, it's it's yeah I just love the hard running and the hard gyms and everything like that yeah. I think this is your eighth season with the Cork Seniors you, you brought in in 2017 so is, is your attitude towards pre-season is it even is it improving every year like do you love going back more and more every year just to get that that hard breath in um yeah definitely um you know come December you'd be definitely eager to get back into it um and I suppose each year it's exciting as well because 
no one year is the same. So uh, the preseason changes all the time. Um, so I suppose this year, like we've been really in focused on the gym. So, you know, the gym sessions are nearly harder than the training sessions at times. Um, but like you get a great laugh out of it and like, you know, everybody's would be sore and complaining and stuff like that but we all get a bit laugh out of each other and everything like that so um you know it is a good time to have just you know there's no stress about competitions really as of yet and um everybody just wants to work out and you know try and like get a place on the team for the league you mentioned the gym there and i see that the Carthage gpa have secured the premises in Ballincollig for for a gym which is a which is fantastic definitely a step forward what what's happened like i heard you're decorating it and painting walls and getting the whole thing kitted out <laughs> yeah it's absolutely fantastic to have um our own gym it's like it's in, had just so much and and we've only had it a couple of weeks so far so like in terms of just injured people, you know, they don't have to go to the pitch now standing there watching us train. Like they can just go do their own gym session. Like it's it's absolutely fantastic. Like we have everything there. We have like six or seven or eight nearly racks, I'd say. And we have loads of weights and everything like that. In fairness to the management and the backroom team and the Cork LGFA, they have really um set up a really good gym for us. And um there's a fridge and everything there that for drinks and protein and yogurts and stuff that we can have during the gym and everything like that. So in fairness, it's helped us so much. You, it's something you think that may be so small, but it's it's actually such a it will make such a big difference to us. I think this year going forward, um, just to have that available to us at all times, it's fantastic, and it's in a perfect location for all of us as well. So it's it's really really good, and I think it'll make a huge difference to us this year. Okay, that's great to hear. It really is a positive step forward. And now let's talk about the action on the field, Galway in the league opener. Would you get nervous before the first game of the league or are you just eager to get out on the pitch again? Um, you do get nervous, definitely, because it's your first match um of the year and you just don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> um, so you don't know how long you'll last or anything like that, but you definitely do get nervous. But I think that kind of goes away once the ball is thrown in. Um, it's kind of more excitement than nerves, I suppose, at the end of it. Um, and I suppose once you get the first touch on the ball, like then it kind of settles your nerve definitely. Um, but like what I like about the league is like it can be so up and down, and you know it's so unpredictable. You don't know what team you're going to be facing because everybody, I suppose, is in the same boat. It's particularly those who have like the club championship went on long for some of the Galway clubs and for obviously the Cork clubs. So like, you don't know what players are available and you know, it's hard to know until the day comes and uh, the players turn up or the players don't. So it is um exciting definitely to beginning to begin the league. Um, I think it's a week earlier this year. So um, looking forward to it and, you know, hopefully we will do well in the league, but um, I suppose everybody uses the league as a trial for, like breeding new players. So um, we'd have to wait and see. And the fact that four Cork's first five games are at home, like you said, Galway to, to kick off, then Armagh, Waterford and Mayo are all coming to, to Cork as well. And there's an away game again against Kerry thrown in there. But the fact that four of that first five games are at home, like obviously less travel, that's an advantage on the weekend. So you hope to kind of make home advantage count as well? Hopefully, definitely. Like home advantage in the league is so important because there is a long distance to travel for a lot of the teams. And I suppose we we are very lucky this year 
and the way it felt for us that we have like maybe nearly three of the furthest away games at home. Um, so it is we should we have to make that count um in the games. Um, I think it's only fair that we make it count because we do have such an advantage over them um when they're coming down to us. Um like if you flip look at the flip side then we do have three hard games away to Dublin, Mead and Kerry all in their home pitches. So um they will be equally as hard. So that's why we probably should have to make the um home advantage count for us when, when we do face um the teams at, in our home ground. And like I said earlier, Melissa, this is your eighth season with Cork. How you found your role evolving over the years? You were the new kid on the block when you landed in 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 2017. But now you're one of the, the more established players with, with an all star in your back your back pocket. And I, I know Shane has brought in some Cork miners this year as well. So have you seen your you become one of the leaders of this team? Yeah, I suppose the time has gone so fast. Like in the blink of an eye, I can't believe that. Like I was one of the young, like I still feel like I'm one of the new ones. I'm one of the young ones. Like it's, it's, it's just it's gone so quickly. Um, it really has like gone in the flash of uh, the blink of an eye. Um, but definitely I do feel my role has um changed um over the years. I suppose I was a lot more um kind of once I got the ball, I gave it away straight away, like to somebody more senior to me. And so I suppose I'm a lot more maybe confident on the ball and um aware that um you know there's other people on the team that's much younger so that may need a bit more confidence so just trying to encourage them on a training and um even in the um pit on the pitch during matches as well um so i suppose yeah you have kind of become more of a leader um i still wouldn't be as loud i suppose as other people on the pitch but i do some like to lead by example so on the pitch more than talking but um, yeah, no, definitely my role has evolved over the last number of years. And how do you enjoy that then? Like how much or how much do you enjoy that? The fact that you've taken on that, that kind of extra responsibility. Like you said, you're, you're a player that leads by example rather than, than maybe getting a barcode at, 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 the, at the player beside you. But do you actually enjoy that then, just, just having that extra responsibility? Yeah, definitely. Because um, these girls, like they do look up to you. And I suppose it's maybe something that I won't, you don't fully understand until you're looking back on your time and how much they look up to you and how much of an influence you are to them when you are, when you are on that team. Um, but definitely I do get a great enjoyment and um, I suppose honor and pleasure out of being more of a leader on the team now this year than compared to when I first started. And like, like it's, even if it's something like, you know, overturning a player, and the in the defense like i feel like that will have a knock-on effect um for others do you know when things are going wrong if you got a turnover ball that's kind of the way i like to lead by example um rather than you know encouraging everybody to keep going on lift up their heads and everything like that so i think it's kind of small things that you don't really see or hear on the pitch um that's kind of how i take up my leadership roles within the crock setup and like I said, it's all kicking off this weekend in Merlo against Galway. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and best look again this season, Melissa. Thank you so much, Kieran. Thanks. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. I'm joined now by Star Sport reporter Sean Holland, who was in Croke Park on Sunday to witness Kilnamartra's unfortunate loss 
to St. Patrick's, Colliana, the final score there was 1-8 to 7 points in the All-Ireland Intermediate Football Final. Sean, um, a disappointing loss for, for Kilimanjaro, but but a great day out nonetheless. Uh, it was um, it was a tough loss, uh, of course, to start Dylan, all right, but um, it was a great occasion for the parish um, and for all the people at Kilimanjaro to get the chance to you know to play in Crow Park um, was a fantastic achievement and it was a it was a nice way to to finish off the season. Unfortunately, they couldn't just go that that extra step and get the cup, but. Um, you know they they held themselves to very high esteem. They did they had a fantastic year. Um, like even the atmosphere going up to the match, it was it was a real family occasion. We got the train up, you know, and there was uh, white and blue flags inside in the uh, train station, and there was more coming on in Mallow with blue wigs and everything. So it was um it was fantastic for all ages for young kids, you know, to go up and see people that they'd be um you know training around in the pitch at home and see at the shops, and you know it's it was a real um you know, community experience um, for Kilimanjaro that I'm sure they won't forget in a long time. It's just unfortunate the result didn't go their way. Yeah, absolutely. And on, on the game itself, um, I mentioned the score there, 1-8 to, to 7 points. It maybe doesn't tell the full story of the game. Um, do you think it's a case that Kilimanjaro might feel like they left a little bit behind them there with the number of wides that they had? Yeah, definitely. That uh, pretty much is the story of the game, Dylan. It was uh, Kilimanjaro's you know, they, they pretty much left the shooting boots at home. It was, it was their chance taking that really caught them because anyone who even got a chance to watch the game and TG Carr would have said the same thing that they pretty much totally dominated um, St. Patrick's in the second half. Um, they literally had all the possession, all the territory. It was only when they got within that 30 yard zone in front of goal, their shooting just evaded them. And for a team that racked up so many scores all the way through the the Munster campaign and in the county and even um, in the semi-final, they, they just couldn't get it right on the day. And it was unfortunate because with every kick they kicked wide, you could just see the confidence level draining from them. And you could hear the crowd once they got one or two scores, they, they were just eager to get behind the team and push them on another bit. But every time the ball went wide or dropped into the keeper's hands, it just took another bit of energy from them. Um, Probably the big stat of the day was that they kicked only seven points from 29 scoring opportunities, and there was 16 wides included in that. So John Evans even said it himself, you know, that just won't do in Crow Park, you know. So it was unfortunate. Um, if they played again this week, I'd actually fancy him to beat them because they were um, the more dominant side. It's only um, the case that some of the lads just couldn't get the shooting right in the day, and um, John was asked after the game if it maybe it was a case of stage fright and it could be too and you know if you were to put yourself in in the Kilimanjaro boots that day you know it's it's pretty much the biggest day um for the club for the community for yourself a lot of these fellas now won't have been or won't play um with Cork they have Dan O'Donnell and Ty Cork of course but um a lot of these fellas now this was their biggest game um and you could see how nerves could play into that even just the surroundings in Crow Park it's so intimidating and um, just unfortunately that kind of might have um, been a factor and John alluded to it too that um, not so much uh, in their performance the stage fright aspect of it but really the, there was um, stage fright in front of the goals which um, eventually became their undoing unfortunately. Yeah we had um, selector Jared Healy on the podcast last last week and I remember him saying that um, 
for at least one of the, the members of the team that it would be their first time going to Croke Park, not only as a player, but but as a as a fan, like they'd, they'd never actually been to the stadium before. So you could only imagine that that once things kind of start getting tense, that, that that could have an effect on them as well. But kind of on a, on a more positive note, like it's it's a, it's in the week after a final loss, it, it's hard uh, hard to remember, but it, it is important to remember that this is an incredible season for Kilnamarcha. Like they were absolutely brilliant and and exceeded all expectations, really. Yeah, like when they sit down and look in this now in, in a few months' time or in years' time, you know, they they look up back on it with fondness, you know, because they spent the last couple of years not being able to get over the semi-final hurdle. They um got beaten by Cantork a couple of times um last year after extra time. Um and Cantork then went on to win the county. So they knew they were just about there. It was just a case of getting past the semi-final, getting into the final. And obviously we all know that they um they just uh, nipped out Bantry in the end with the three late points. But, um, you know, even speaking to Jared there um, after the game, if he was offered just to win the county final this year, he didn't nearly get your hand off for it. You know, he'd have taken it 100%. And then you add in a monster title on top of that and then the chance to go to Crow Park. I know everyone wants to win the final, but when they look back on it as a whole, it was a fantastic season for them. Yeah, absolutely. And... Kind of just looking ahead then um to to next year. Like this this kind of feels like a club with a lot of momentum behind them, um, a relatively young team who can improve over the coming years. They're into the senior A in a group of Cargline, Bale, Aha, and Kilimatra in there, obviously, and Kish Keem as well. So what do you think they can do in senior A um next year as a case of just making sure they stay there, or do you think that they can they can make a run at it? Well, um, kind of the team with uh, Cork County Championships is that once you go through the grades, if you get promoted from one division to another, you tend to be very competitive towards the top of the next grade you're going into. So we can see that with Kilnamarcha as well um, next season, because they're, to be honest, there's not an awful lot between Premier Intermediate and Senior A in terms of the top teams in Premier Intermediate. Um, so I can see them making a good push um, towards the top of Senior A. They're bringing in a lot of uh, momentum from this year. You know, they're they're obviously going to want a couple of weeks off here now to um to recuperate and, and get ready for the season. Um, it would be brilliant if they got John Evans back. Obviously, that decision will uh, be left into the hands of the Kilimanjaro people down there and um whatever they feel best and what John feels best. It would be his third year in charge, and I don't know if he wants another crack, maybe off senior football with the lads down there. You know, it'll be um it'll be told in due course, but um. Yeah, there's a few interesting ties there. Obviously, Carrigaline coming back down from Premier Senior. Um, you know, they won't be any easy pushovers. Um, Kish game the same. They um they're a tough team to beat. And then obviously there's uh there should be a big crowd at their their matchup with Ballangiri, um, next door neighbor. So, you know, um things are looking up for Kilimarcha. You know, you you put the defeat behind them, but looking ahead to the season of senior A football. I'd have a lot of hope for them, and I think they could be big players in that championship next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can read more about um the match and reaction. Um, Sean's been doing great work in this week's Southern Star on page two and three. So make sure to pick up a copy there. We'll take a very quick break now, and we'll be back with more. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast, and Kieran, the Southern Star is in shops across West Cork and online via southernstar.ie 
tomorrow morning. So what can people look out for? Um, obviously, we have coverage of the Super Value Parky Cueve, Super Value Park, Parky Cueve saga, the back, I'll call it what you want. I have my own column written on that. Um, we heard from Melissa Duggan earlier. We have an interview with Melissa and with Shane Renane ahead of the, the start of the Little Ladies National Football League on Sunday. Um, Sean Holland, the super coverage of uh, a disappointing day at the office for the Kilometre footballers. So there's a two-page spread on that. Looking further down the paper, we've um interview with Keith Cronin. Martin Walsh talks to Keith, the belly licker drive, belly licky driver. That's a it's a it's a four pair, but um the belly licky man is is it announced his return to the Irish Tarmac Rally Championship. He'll um be back in action in the Galway International Rally, which is in early February. So good chat there with um with Keith Cronin. We also have coverage of Lucistown GA Club had their victory dinner dance on. Last weekend, so Tom Lyons popped along for us and he picked up a couple of interviews there. We also have an interview with the Caribbean um, GA chairman, Aidan O'Rourke, and telling us about why the division needs a 4G pitch and why, if it doesn't, it's going to be left behind. In soccer chat, there's a huge game in the Westcott League this Sunday. Clannacilty Soccer Club, the Premier League leaders, take on Drina Rangers. And the defending champion. So that, that's a big game to look out for. That's on Sunday. And we'll have coverage of that next week. But in this week's star, we have all the news from the latest round of action in the West Cork League. We also have a very interesting piece with um the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu club that's over in Bantry, been run by Barry O'Donovan and Sean Holland caught up with him for a chat. We also have an interview with Eddie O'Driscoll from St. Oliver Plunkett's, who won a West Cork Sports Star Monthly Award. And speaking of the West Cork Sports Star Awards, in Thursday Star, we reveal the Special Achievement Award winner plus the team of the year. So there's plenty there for readers to look forward to on Thursday. Yeah, loads there. As always, if you're further afield or can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star and get it on your laptop, tablet or phone. Just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie, enter your details and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than €2 Euro per week and full access to our website as well. In this week's Southern Star as well, I almost forgot to mention, Kieran. Inside Sport, there is a Get Active Supplement. Um, 10 great walks and runs are featured in there alongside um, Sean Holland. Uh, we'll mention his name again. He did a great uh, piece for the supplement, talking to some of West Cork's sporting stars about their favourite piece of equipment. So that's well worth a read. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.